Hello, all you podcast listeners out there. Welcome to the 65th ver- yep. edition of the Knife Journal Podcast. My name is James Noka. I'm here with uh, my partner, Kyle Versteg, and we have a special guest today. Out in uh, the East Coast, out on the East Coast, Kevin Estella is with us today for a three-way conversation. Yeah, three-way conversation that was not without a little technical difficulty. You know, I'm all uh, I'm all woods. I'm hardly computer guy, so I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah, welcome aboard. So, uh, actually, Kevin has um, a bunch of different areas of expertise that are the reason uh, we want him on the podcast. Uh, in the recent podcast, we've kind of started talking a little bit about balisong knives. And as it turns out, uh, Kevin has some uh, background and some insight to kind of give us um, concerning uh, balisong knives and uh, um, Filipino knife uh, culture kind of in general. So how did you... Uh, how did you come by this knowledge? Well, you know, Kyle, a lot of people are going to say that I was born into it, and I can't deny that because I'm half Filipino. Um, you know, a lot of my friends call me the Filipino Pole or the Polipino, um, you know, because I'm half <laughs> Polish, half Filipino. <laughs> um, but, you know, as far as, like, the Filipino knowledge, I mean, you know, the the interesting thing is my father, when I was growing up, he never hid knives from me. He never, he never made it something that was really uh, elusive or something that was you know, dangerous to play with or only do it around dad. It was the Filipinos. We were very trusting when it comes to, you know, learning about blades. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, as a child, I mean, I remember, you know, learning just by watching, learning by doing. And, you know, if there was the occasion where I wasn't being safe, I would be told. And I mean, even to this day, I'm almost 35. I'll be 35 in April. My dad still, still throws it out there. Like, oh, just be careful with that ax or be careful with that machete or whatever. Um, but basically, you know, in, in terms of learning my Filipino knowledge, um, I really, really took interest to it, you know, all throughout childhood. And in terms of the Filipino combatives, the the Filipino martial culture, the um, Filipino martial arts, it didn't come until 2007 when I started training in Sayak Kali, which is a, a bladed system. It's a complete martial arts system uh, grounded in, in Filipino martial arts, um, you know, that was founded by Pamana uh, Tuan Chris Sayak. So I, I, that's why who I really learned uh, the culture about um, or through. And, uh, you know, I've just been a a student, a disciple of his ever since then. Hmm, Cool. Um, So is there any truth to uh, what my uh, Filipino friend said about uh, balasongs being kind of the national knife of the Philippines and that um, Filipino women can be just vicious with these things? Oh, there... Let me put it this way. Um, the the balisong is probably the most recognizable Filipino knife. Um, and, you know, I, I'm admittedly, you know, still learning a lot of the, the manipulations with it. Uh, in Connecticut, it's not a very practical knife for, for me to carry because, uh, you know, in many occasions it's illegal. But, uh, you know, there, there's definitely a beauty. You learn a lot of dexterity with that knife, and you also learn to respect it. But there are so many distinctive Filipino blades that are out there, and something that a lot of people don't realize is that over there, the way that uh, a knife is sometimes referred to, or a large cutting tool, is it's sometimes referred strictly as a bolo, even though in, you know, the Western world, everyone would say, well, that's not a bolo, that's a golok, or that's a, um, that's a compilon, you know, it could be any type of large blade, but it's a generic term that they use, so the bolo is widely recognized as a Filipino, you know, uh, blade, whether it's, you know, a traditional bolo shape or something, you know, some derivative of that. Um, but perhaps the most notorious uh, within Filipino culture uh, of being like a Filipino blade is the compilon, which I already mentioned, which uh, during uh, the Battle of Lapu-Lapu, um, you know, where it was off of Mactan Island, that's where Magellan died, and that's ultimately what killed him. So there's some really cool blades out there that people in the Western world don't necessarily know about, and they're just very, very, uh, you know, purpose-driven blades. So, yeah, the, you know, 
the interesting too, thing, too, and by the way, I talk a lot. I've had like four cups of coffee already today, so I'm just going to keep going. Um, the interesting thing is, yeah, it, men, women, children, the blade is a great equalizer, so you don't have to be the largest man in the world to be dangerous with that. And you're absolutely right when it comes to the women being equally deadly. You know, the Filipinos were told that, you know, we kill people with a smile because extremely deceptive. Um, and the ballet song is something that can be held closed and open very rapidly and generally by anyone that has dexterity. So men, women, young children, all can be extremely, extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Um, Jim, do you have any questions? Well, I just want to say that uh, I've always been more afraid of knives than guns. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, it's funny. it's funny you say that because... Uh, you know, training at the at the martial arts school, you know, when we were at the old school, uh, there was a large window front, and you, we could be working gun disarms or stick fighting or whatever it may be, and people would walk by the front of the in front of the windows, and they wouldn't think anything of it. But the minute that you take out a shiny aluminum training knife, and the minute that you present that, you see people in the mirrors or in the the windows reacting like, "Oh my God, he's got a knife!" And yeah. It's like, yeah. hold on, you know, I mean. Because we're a very, you know, gun culture, um, gun-centered culture in the United States. Right. Places like Latin America, the Pacific Islands, very knife-cultured. So, right. yeah, we have a visceral emotional reaction when we see a blade. Yeah, there's something about that. That's uh, that's one of those things that that'll probably get you shot quicker than anything is is pulling a knife on me. <laughs> yeah. I I don't know why. <clears throat> I have this I have this big fear of getting cut. And it's well, I don't know anyone business. that really wants to be cut. No, no, I know, I know, but you know, <laughs> there's a lot of guys that are that that don't fear knives. They don't think that it's something that that needs to be afraid of and respected. I mean, they they'll they'll sit and talk to somebody with a knife in their hand when they're like ten feet away from them. Right, and I'll be like, they're not respecting that reactionary gap. Exactly, and I'll say, you know what? If I've got a guy that's got a knife ten feet away from me, I got my gun out and it's pointed at his head. <laughs> it's saying, and I'm saying in a very loud and forceful voice, put that fucking knife down, or I'm going to drill you. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and, they, and there's other guys out there that just will, will not will not respect that at all, and they think that. You know, I've seen some I've seen some um, uh, some trainings that a guy was 50 feet away with a knife and actually was able to get marks on a fella who had his gun in his holster. Oh, and you're that, talking about that uh, surviving edged weapons you know, deal with Dan and Hunter Well, Hunter yeah, Hunter. but that's 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 not new. That, I've seen that I've seen that 15 years ago. Right. Yeah, that's like the industry standard, though, right? Like that's well, what they, tw- 21 that was like the e training video. 21 21 feet was is right. what everybody is taught, and and uh, and I've seen it. I've seen it, uh, guys, as far as 50 feet away, getting to a holstered gun with a knife. In- and see, I've talked to a few friends that are law enforcement guys, and they say that they can't stand the fact that that number 21 is out there because you get someone like an Usain Bolt type, you know, mm-hmm. 21 feet is way too close, you know. And, uh-huh. you know, I feel like a lot of police officers feel like they're they're bound by that standard, like, oh, I can't engage someone, you know, if, you know, that that number's not there. But, again, it's it's highly, highly subjective. I mean, oh, yeah. you have someone... Yep. You know who's overweight, who <laughs> you can be five feet away from, and they're never going to get up and get to you. But then yep. these highly athletic guys that, like you said, could be fifty feet away. So, I mean, I think it ultimately has to come down to you know scenario based. And, yep, and it know, ends up, and, and, and I think it ends up being a lot of times um, uh, your your skills and your respect for the for for what can happen is what yep. the, is what determines the outcome. Um, a lot of guys, they they just don't have they they can't think of what could happen. All they think of about is what's happening right now. They they don't they don't think they don't take that one more step and say that well okay what's happening now is not it's not dangerous but you know in six seconds this could go from not bad to really bad. Right, and you know I think that's something you know just from an overall perspective whether we're talking you know, urban survival, wilderness survival, combatives, whatever it may be, it's really important that, you know, guys who say, well, oh, I don't have time to train. Well, if you have time to think, you have time to train. Because even if you just run scenario-based training in your head, you play that what-if game. You know, well, what if this guy crosses the street? Well, what am I going to do? What if this guy approaches my car? What am I going to do? You can constantly run those scenarios. 
And yep. when that scenario does pop up, you've already ran that rep. You know that you've burned that good rep, and you you know what you're going to do mm-hmm. before you have to get within that um, that OODA loop, and you're already behind, making up for for lost time. Yep. And trust me when I tell you that that's that way of thinking is not the common way of thinking. That I is agree. that is totally the like I don't even I can't even figure what the number might be the percentage might be but it's not very it's not very many people that think like that all the time you know they they step on an airplane what am I going to do if this happens they step on a you know and it and I'm not saying it's a it's an altercation you know it could be any it's anything in in life you know what happens if this happens what happens I mean this it's a way of I think that that's something that we're uh, for the past. 30 years, it's probably been bred out of us, or or somebody is trying to breed it out of us, um, because it because it isn't like it was, you know, like I, when I started my book about about my dad, you know, talking about my dad and what he grew up, the way he grew up. Those guys did everything themselves, right. you know. They right. they didn't rely on anybody to come and shoe their horses or or you know do any of that stuff. Those guys did it all. And, you know, nowadays you pretty much have somebody that can be an accountant and they don't know how to do anything else. They can't even wire a simple socket. Yeah, and and what drives me nuts is when, you know, getting back to knives here, because I know that's what we're all here about, you know, is when you say to someone or you hear someone in the room say, hey, does anyone have a knife? Oh, yeah. And you look around there and there's, there's grown men that don't have them or... You know, hey, does anyone know how to do this? And, again, you see able-bodied people that don't have a clue how to do a very basic skill. It, yep. it drives me absolutely <laughs> the wall. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting, too, because I'll carry a couple different kinds of knives. And because that question always comes up, you know, does anybody have a knife? And depending on the group of people that I'm with will be dependent on what knife I pull out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the disposable knife. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're not necessarily going to pull out your uh, ZT0300 and hand it to an old lady. Yeah. <laughs> She's probably going to... Yep. And, and and inevitably, it's to cut a thread off somebody's shirt <laughs> <laughs> or something yeah. like that. And, and, you know, it's funny because, like, you gotta you got to carry knives that, you know, are politically correct, too. Like, I usually have a Swiss Army knife in my, my bag at work, um, you know, or a Leatherman on my belt, uh, or in this case, a Swiss tool. But then, you know, I'm never going to pull out, uh, you know, I, I love I love the um, the knives from, um, God, why can't I, I think of their names, uh, the former Green Berets. I can't think of their names right now. It's killing me. Uh, Spartan knives? Oh, yeah. Spartan. Yeah, I've got, I've got the Acrobus, and I love the Spartan Acrobus. I think it's one of the most beautiful knives out there, and uh, just a functional blade. And uh, what's really cool is the guys that made that drew a lot of inspiration from the Chris Reeve line, mm-hmm. you know, from the Cadenzas, and... You know, oh my God, that's that's such a great blade. But I'll be damned if I hand that to someone. Right. You know, that's that's my blade. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. No, exactly. That's a uh, that's the kind of knife that you don't dare hand out. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra modern CNC components and old world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. Now, uh, on our last podcast, uh, we talked briefly about uh, uh, Kevin's uh, collaboration to make a bolo knife with uh, Gossman Knives. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Well, Scott, or, you know, as I call him, the bearded one, because if you ever meet him, he he looks like he, you know, could have been like a a backup singer in ZZ Top. Um, (laughs) He's just a... He's a badass dude. I mean, Scott is a, a legit hunter. He, he's more than a knife maker. He's a knife user. And, you know, he's, he's also a true gentleman. I mean, the man is, is a great, great guy. So years ago, um, I contacted Scott to make a belt knife, um, the Polaris. And it came out great. And, you know, it's, it's one of his you know, best sellers now. And then along the way, I was like, you know, I kind of want a, a, a larger camp-style knife to go with this. 
so I started, you know, looking around and nothing really as far as like the the overall pattern really appealed to me. So then I said, I talked to my dad. I'm like, Dad, what did you carry in the Philippines? And he's like, well, we would carry a bolo. And, you know, I've got a, a pizza yellow um, uh, paper that my dad drew all these different de- uh, designs on. And I was like, well, can you make it a little bit larger? And he gave me some details. So I took that. I put it on a piece of cardboard. I sent it out to Scott. And then Scott ended up making me a blade blank. So then I brought it to my buddy who used to um, make grips for U.S. firearms. And he made me a, a set of uh, handle scales for it, mounted them. I used it, you know, for pretty much an entire summer up at the Wilderness Learning Center, teaching and training and whatnot. And I recently just submitted that long-term review of it. And I'll tell you, that knife, with just the, the right amount of uh, cutouts in the handle as far as, like, holes drilled to, you know, move the balance forward, that slight recurve, um, it's just been a really, really great knife. And even though I've got other big blades, that seems like it's the one that I enjoy carrying because it kind of has sentimental value in a new way. And, you know, it was based off of a design that when I carved out or when I cut out the cardboard, it just felt right in my hand. And when the handle scales are on there, it just felt right. So it's a knife that I've got a lot of time behind, and I know how to use probably better than the ones that I just bring out and play with. You know, there's a difference between knives for show and knives for go, and, and that bolo from Scott Gossman is definitely a knife for go. Is that's the model he's making right now? Yeah, that's that's the one. Um, you know, he does them. I think in a couple different steels now. Mine was in A2, but mm-hmm. Scott has been playing with like S35VN. He's been playing with CPM3V. Um, you know, he's been trying out a few different ones, and you know, he's a guy too. I don't know if you ever saw it, but he shot one of his uh, one of his Tusker blades with a 41 Magnum. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking like this guy. I mean, I love Scott to death because he's not afraid to, to beat up his blades. And he shot one with a 41 Magnum, and he's like, dude, this thing, actually, he's Southern, so it's more like, dude, this thing is great. You know, he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I really suggest, like, anyone that wants, like, a, a fun, entertaining conversation, just give him a call. Um, he'll talk your ear off about blades. and Yeah, he, he's just a great guy. We should we should see if we can get him on the podcast. Yeah, he'd be a good guy to have on board. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, okay, we had a, I know we've got other stuff to talk about, but, um, we have this guy who's like our field correspondent extraordinaire, <laughs> and he comes up with, uh, uh, interesting articles for us sometimes in the knife world, the ones that we miss, and also, uh, he has a challenge, um, that we, we, Jim and I answered last time, but we, we lost the audio, so we'll do it, um, now with, uh, Kevin, and, uh, Jim, the challenge was, if you can only have two knives and you have to get rid of all your other ones, um, what two knives are you going to use? And you can't, you can't, uh, you know, you can't wuss out. Yeah. You can't say I have to have three. It's like an F Mary kill with no suicide option. Right. And you can't. And you can't. And the big thing was they they were very specific about saying that that Kyle couldn't make his own knives. Yeah, I can't. I can't. Well, he. He said that all my tools went away, and so I have to have an existing knife that I own or something like that. I can't, I can't like wuss out of the challenge. Right. Basically, right. is what it was. So okay, so so what I had said was, um, in uh, in the knife world, I said probably a Bark River Aurora and a uh, Swiss Army uh, Spartan <clears throat> were the two that I that I know I could do anything I needed to do with. <clears throat> and uh why why the uh you got to elaborate a little bit well because uh you mean uh, why the why this the uh Spartan yeah well, the combo for for one thing um he didn't say anything about being able to have axes <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> these are your we're going to play it like these are your edge tools that's it this is what you get yeah. uh, you don't get a saw you don't get anything the uh for one thing the aurora is is got a very uh very functional blade shape that not only is uh very good for carving and 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 making drill holes cuz it's got nice a nice sturdy point to it it's still a pretty decent stabbing weapon uh blade length is is uh not too long but not too short you know it was just a good all-around knife and it's always been one of my favorite knives um uh, mm-hmm. 
and it and it's got a full tang. It's very sturdy. You can pound on it. You can you know do all the things that people are worried about doing. Uh, the Spartan, you know, it has the smaller blades for uh, uh, for for whittling and carving, and and uh, plus it has a toothpick and a pair of tweezers. <laughs> Pretty hard to be without. And uh, uh, and a corkscrew to open up my bottle of wine. Very nice. Yeah. How about you, Kevin? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, one of Jim's recommendations as far as a company. Um, definitely going to go with the Bark River Bushcrafter with a full height grind in 3V. Uh, that's the knife that I chose as the official school knife uh, for my company um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I like the 3V steel. It's the only reason I chose it over the Polaris is because, uh, you know, the 3V steel uh, or the Polaris that I have is, is an A2. So I'm going to go with the steel for this trace. Um, but in either case, either knife would be fine. Um, you know, it's a knife that I know I can carry pretty much anywhere. I know I can also conceal it. So in terms of, you know, getting it under the radar in places, it's, it's pretty easy. Um, as far as like another edge tool, <clears throat> you know, I think a, a larger machete would be better than a, than an ax in many respects. Um, you know, obviously winter camping here in the Northeast, you need lots of large fuel and people readily discredit the machete saying, well, it's a machete. It's meant for just green wood. But, you know, my good friend Marty Simon in the winter, he always challenges people. He's like, let's try, you know, using this machete and see how far it bites versus, you know, your quarter inch thick or, you know, your, your um, you know, much thicker, you know, pretty much sharpened pry bar. And, you know, he, he amazed me, you know, when we used to go camping a lot um, with how well that machete works even in the winter. So in terms of, like, edge tools, it would be that bushcrafter and maybe a larger machete-style knife, uh, even, like, a standard Ontario 118. Um, I mean, if I want to go, you know, high-end, you know, something that I know that's not going to break, probably the nicest-feeling chopper I've ever felt, maybe an Atienza Kali Apocalypse. Um, you know, those knives are are made by a master, master uh, Filipino martial artist on top of it, uh, maker, and uh, maybe something like that, but... I don't know if I would go with an axe. Um, I think axes are kind of limited, so I could use a machete in both the winter and in the spring. But you know, in the springtime when you're trying to cut through you know green vegetation, the axe is somewhat limited. So I know it's right. going to piss people off, but you know, it's my choice. That's true. That's it true. It doesn't have to be hey, your choice. When, when you were um, uh, when you were at the uh, when I rehandled my my uh, Martindale Golock, were you at the grinding? When I did that, um, do you remember that? No, but I, I know that I know that that Golock is probably the worst handle ever. I mean, oh, yeah. you got that giant gap. It's pretty much a blistermatic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I rehandled it and reshaped it, and uh, it makes a huge difference. You know, because that's kind of a nice that's a nice piece too. You know, for for doing the kind of stuff that you're talking about. Yeah, and you know the that Golock design. I mean, you still have a point. You know, people get all bent out of shape because it's like a, it's almost like a sheep's foot style point to it. Yep. You know, and they want that traditional upswept like cutlass design. But you know, you're forgetting. It's like you don't, <laughs> you know, what are you using the point for? I mean, you're you're mainly chopping. And right. I know a lot of guys that are like, I don't want to buy the Bark River Golock because it's got that shovel tip. I'm like, well, you, you just said it. You know, a lot of guys will use it to probe you know, with the tip, and that's why they don't want the tip, or, you know, they have it like that for, for a reason. But uh, I, I tell you. That Golock, the Martindale Golock's a nice design. I just wish it had a better handle. Well, you know? and that's the, that's the thing is what I did was I re, reshaped. Um, actually, I think I put new handle scales on it, if I'm not mistaken. Pulled, the, pulled that piece of junk off it and reshaped it, and, um, uh, and, it, and it makes a huge difference. When you, when you put a good handle on that, because the blade is – the blade is one of those funny blades that it's not. I don't even know what the what the um, uh, Rockwell is on it, and I don't know what the steel is on it out of it. You know, I mean, it's it's nothing spectacular about it. But I use the crap out of mine, and I've I've not hardly had to touch it at all, as far as putting an edge back on it or anything like that. Um, so it's pretty it's pretty amazing. I mean, it comes with a file to to sharpen it, so I guess it's not really meant to. <laughs> to be that sharp, but boy, it does a nice job. Yep. Well, I think, uh, for, yeah, for my choices, I'm going to go with the stuff that I have the most experience with. Um, and I would choose a Victorinox, uh, but 
for sentimental reasons, I'll go with my scout knife, um, which I still have. And I've taken that all over the world in different environments, and it's been just fine. And uh, I second your choice of a uh, large machete. Um, and what I'm going to use for that is the first lawnmower blade parang that I ever made. That's cool. And for reasons that, you know, for sentimentality, but also that blade, again, has been all over the world in all different environments, and it works. You know, you can, uh, it's a little bit thicker than the, the typical, you know, crappy South American machete that you buy in the local hardware store down there. Uh, so it, it bites a little better, the handle is better, and it just it just works really well. Um, and like you said about the vers- versatility of machetes, you know, we were using it uh, one time we had to uh, kind of camp on a sandbar in the middle of the Amazon River. And, you know, we were using um, machetes as as tent stakes. You just you just pull them down in the sand, push them down in the sand, and then you just tie off to that. You know, so it's been used for everything from a tent stake to a, uh, you know, chopper to whatever. And I think with the combination of those two, I can get everything done that I need to get done pretty much. So that's what I'd go with. Sounds like a winner. Works for me. Yeah. Um, and plus, it'll it'll uh, it'll really troll the uh, guys who hate on unknown steel and stuff. <laughs> so well, I could, it's always good for troll points to show up with that. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny. It's funny you say something like that. Um, you know, the uh, I don't know. Have you guys ever heard of Lester River Bushcraft, Jason? No, Gunther? I'm not. Yeah, I'll look that up. All right, uh, Jason's a. a, a a really cool dude. I haven't met him yet, um, but we we talked on the phone for hours at length. He's he's actually up uh, near the Boundary Waters, so okay. he's pretty close to Unoka. Um, but we talked a couple times about just you know just the knife industry, and he gets it. You know he knows you know who his audience is, and I actually have one of his. Uh, he makes these beautiful uh, bushcraft style hoodies. You know um, a lot of guys are yeah. wearing them now. And uh, lrbushcraft.com. Really, yeah, that's that's him right there. So yep. he went up and he took a class with Morris Kachansky, um, and he proved all these people wrong because he literally brought a uh, a butter knife that he sharpened, and he did the entire class with just like a butter knife from his kitchen. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was one of those things where it was like, you know, for all these guys that want to go out and spend, you know, money on the, these uh, Woodlore-style knives that, you know, people are buying the, the style, even though, like, I mean, again, value is very subjective, but he went out there with a butter knife, and he outperformed most of the guys there. Um, but that's just Jason Gustafson for you. He's a he's a cool dude too. He's another one that uh, yeah, he he probably has. I've I've been on that course as well, and he he probably just has. He he's going into it with a lot of knife skills that those other guys just don't have. Right. You know, like uh, at the course I was at, you know, it's mostly most of the guys were not you know, all that experienced using their knife for the stuff that Morris has you do up there. Um, and that's one thing that J- Jim and I have talked about a lot is if you know how to use your knife, you can you can use pretty much anything, you know. Well, that that's always been that's, my point is that is that if you know how to use a knife, you know what it's capable of doing and what it's not. And you know the, where the line is between use and abuse. And I mm-hmm. think that that's, the, that's where it you know, I mean, if you're if you're starting a course with a butter knife, um, you know damn well that you're not going to be prying a lot of stuff with it. You know that to start with. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I I get that. <clears throat> well, um, next topic uh, thing that'd be good to talk about. Uh, we've kind of been talking over the idea of what we'd like the new Rambo knife to look at, and I know Kevin has some thoughts on that. Uh, I There was a couple things I wanted to add that I forgot to say in my last one, and that's that whatever knife it is, I want it to be high carbon steel so that it can form a patina and be kind of old like Rambo. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he does have a patina, doesn't he? Right, yeah. And then uh, Lon Humphrey weighed in, and uh, so so he posted this link about 
Sylvester Stallone being anti-gun. And so the knife that he came up with uh, was basically designed like one of Lon's knives, you know, some of the features that it's got, but it had a rounded tip and a really small handle. And he said the rounded tip was so that, uh, and it didn't come with an edge, the rounded tip was so that you couldn't stab anyone, doesn't have an edge so you can't cut yourself, and the small handle is for the girly men that are going to use it. <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, so then, of course, we got into this big discussion about, well, and he's like, well, I, I, I wouldn't make a knife, and I'm not going to see the movie because of my principles and all this. And I'm like, okay, well, um, you know, The Walking Dead is pretty... <laughs> so we got back and forth, and I posted some links to, like, some anti-gun stuff from The Walking Dead, and he, uh, I don't know. So that's going to be the next few updates on The Walking Dead or our, our articles about them being, saying crap about guns. Hey, but did you, anyway. not to change the subject, but I, I this has been kind of rattling around in my head for the past couple weeks, and I've been meaning to bring it up to you, and I bet you didn't know. You know you're the guy that you like so much on The Walking Dead? Daryl. Daryl? Yeah. Did you know that he was one of the brothers in Boondock Saints? I don't know what Boondock Saints is. Well, it's a movie you need to watch. <laughs> okay, I'll write it down. Doesn't he, doesn't he Kevin? Yeah, it's it's one of those movies that uh, you'll watch it once, and then you're gonna, you know, go back to the DVD men menu and like watch all the deleted scenes, and then, you know, you'll watch it again. It's like you, you you don't mind wasting, and I won't even call it a waste, you know, wasting a, a whole evening or a whole you know Sunday morning just watching this movie twice in a row. Yeah, it's it's a funny it's it's got some weird stuff in it. It's kind of odd and but it's just one of those movies that and and it blew me away that Daryl is the one of the brothers in there. I didn't I didn't huh. realize that. So yeah, Daryl's a man amongst men too. I mean, at one point he was dating uh, or married, and I and I only know this stuff because I've got like two older sisters, and you know, as a kid they made me watch all this pop culture, and so it just stuck with me. But at one point he was married to a supermodel, um, that girl uh, Helena Christensen, the one that was in that Chris Isaac Wicked Game video. So like the dude, the dude was not only killing zombies, but he's married to a supermodel. So he's pretty <laughs> much an, he, he's an alpha in my book. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. actually pretty funny on the show too. Do you, do you watch? Are you a follower? Oh my God, am I a follower? Okay. I, I, my, you know Big John. Oh yeah. Big John and I will will text message each other back and forth, and I'll be like, Dude, what are you what are you watching? He's like Walking Down, of course. And he's like, Dude, I got my gla- he's got a Cold Steel Gladius that he keeps by his, <laughs> by his uh, remote control. And I, I think there's like no shortage of guys out there that you know when you're watching the movie, like that's the time that you want to be like diddling your you know AR-15. <laughs> you want to have something nearby, like you just it gets you psyched up. That's funny. Didn't you didn't you get a kick out of the first time you saw Michonne cut somebody up with her knife with her with her? Oh uh, my god! <laughs> with her katana. <laughs> oh man, I was like, holy crap, that's a woman there. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you know, the the other thing is is uh, his knife is I think the best knife in the series. It's uh, it's a bussy Team Gemini, and of course I'm lusting after it because it, not because I'm going to use it for anything, but because it's been, you know, how you just kind of get a thing for a knife that's, that's like the Rambo knives. You know, like you just get a thing for them because they're a character in a movie basically, and you can own a character in a movie. Well, I think that that knife is my favorite knife in that series because it's a character and that that kind of transitions and and uh really kind of makes a good way to kind of talk about um what what you think the new rambo knife should be as as a character in the movie did you know uh, well yeah let's let's talk about that because i want to talk about lusting after nights after a bit okay um so what what would you do with it kevin uh well the interesting thing is I would take it back to its roots. Um, you know, if you, you know, read the actual, you know, Morell book, First Blood, the knife yeah. isn't even a character in the book. You know, he gets his equipment from a couple of um, bootleggers that are in the Kentucky Hills. So, I mean, obviously there's some changes in the scenery and setting, setting from, uh, you know, the movie and the book. But, you know, I would make it something that, because um, in every single movie he's, he's gone into a scenario prepared I would almost pay an homage to that original scenario where he's on the run and he gets it from someone that might, it would be a complete, completely, um, you know, counter logic to like what people are expecting. Like he takes it off of someone that is working maybe on the, 
the Mexico border if they're following that storyline, or he uh-huh. guesses from someone that's out in the field. Like uh, it would be an easy way for him to uh, like a like a lettuce like a lettuce knife. Yeah, like the, the <laughs> British, lettuce machete the British or kitchen knife that has no the British kitchen knife that has no point. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, you know you could go you could go that type of way where you know again pays an homage to you know someone that might be an illegal instead of someone who is making moonshine you know there's plenty of people that are running drugs on the border so maybe he takes it off of someone that's illegal there um but i think the guys that are really into the series are going to want to see something that looks somewhat familiar i mean the last one that the one that he forged before he went out into uh into the, the field that one really threw people because it wasn't as polished refined it didn't have that bowie look no. Um, so I think I think it's really a crapshoot. Um, I mean, I'd love to see him go back to, you know, that the original knife he had. Like, hey, he's back in America. He's not a criminal anymore. He wants the knife that he originally had. So there's there's so many different ways you can go with it. And, yeah. I mean, I'm excited yeah. to see that character. I mean, because like we, you said, the, the knife is a character. What we were talking about earlier was the fact that he was he was working on a on a ranch, correct? Am I correct? And, right. Or, and so my thought was the first thing would be what would a typical ranch worker carry as a fixed blade knife? They tend to be wouldn't be a huge knife. It would be a smallish knife. And I was thinking something you know like you know like a five or six inch blade something that you would use if you were hunting out on the on you know uh in texas or or in arizona or something like that and then he make and then he makes a transition to some like goes to his footlocker and pulls out his first blood original yeah or or, or he's got like, a yeah he's got like an up what what i thought is you know the thing the thing about every single knife that he's had is it matched the times very well you know, so like, like the first one. So he should probably have a a a, a, a Mora knife. No, no, absolutely. He's not going to carry a Mora. He's not. Rambo doesn't slum. Oh boy. It's no. I think what what you know what we've been talking about. Kevin and I, I think we both agree that I I think it should be a nod to the first first knife but i'd like to see it kind of updated with some of the some of the modern thinking and knives um i think uh you know the the bowie shape is good i think i would i would definitely do a nod to jimmy lyle with a longer uh clip on there than you typically see on a lot of bowies and then uh i would make it full tang i'd ditch the hollow handle i'd do um like desert tan or coyote tan uh g10 or micarta uh and just just make it a nice sleek looking knife that uh is kind of updated to modern times i i sent you a thing on uh facebook kevin yeah yeah. i'm looking at it now and i I saw it earlier this week i think that's a great design um james i think you're gonna have your your mind blown when you hear this one um so there's a filmmaker from france his name is herve atia uh, A-T-T-I-A, uh, and he he's a guy who visits the original scenes, uh, not scenes, but the original uh, filming locations of different movies. Mm-hmm. Well, he went to that final scene in the latest Rambo, and he spoke to the owner of that ranch, and he said, hey, you know, let's hear about, you know, what it was like, and I, apparently people go to this place in California, and they, they like, want to go on his property and walk that road, and he's had to put up signs and everything like that. But the important thing or the interesting thing to pull from here is in that video that's on YouTube, if you guys want to like put up in the background, uh, there's a still photo, a production photo. And one of the guys that was working on that, that film has two knives tucked into his waistband at, you know, the appendix carry or kidney carry. Um, and one of them looks like some variation of a Randall. The other one looks like some type of marbles. Yeah. That, see, that wouldn't surprise me because, like I said, you—if you're a ranch hand, you're not carrying around, you know, uh, a Model One Randall. You know, you're going to be carrying. I mean, it's a typical. I mean, I remember we when I was a kid, I used to go hunting in Wyoming on a big ranch out there, and the guy out there that that uh, was the, basically he owned the ranch. Um, he had a small, I think it was a Western, if I'm not mistaken, like a freaking like a four inch blade Western and a little hatchet that he, that he had with him all the time. He had it like a little belt sheet that he carried. 
And it was kind of funny because it was like, you know, he he, he was convinced. I mean, and I'm talking, you know, this is outside of uh, uh, outside of Buffalo. You, you started his ranch was the was the um, edge of the city limits, Buffalo city limits, and then it went all the way up to the BLM land at the top of the mountains on the tree line, and. <clears throat> He was all over there on horseback, on motorcycles, and um, he had an international scout. And that was all the knife that he ever had with him, was a little, you know, like a little four-and-a-half-inch blade, uh, little fixed-blade knife. But it so, but his knife isn't in a movie. Well, no, I understand <laughs> that, but some, some part of this has to be, has to be real. And, and, yeah, and, I, and when, well, you, when you look at the original, the, the original movie... And you look at the knife in the original movie. He was a he was a combat vet home from Vietnam. That was the knife that he had in in country. Um, he's he's no he's divorced from that now. He's he's even though that's all in his past, he is now a ranch hand. He is now a trying to get back into society after his and, after know, his long voyage. And you know it, it just you wouldn't you. It's almost like to me, like he would be trying to not necessarily forget the past, but just can't. He just came to grips with his past, and he no longer needs to have that level of violence in his life. Yeah, but then he's he has to turn it back on, though. So well, he's got to yeah. go back to the trunk. But that's right? but that's just like the in the movie, um, uh, oh, the one um, about the American Revolution <clears throat> and uh, Patriot, the Patriot. Yeah. yeah, where he has to, where the main character has to turn that back on. He has to go into his trunk that he buried all of his all of those memories and and I mean that was a that was a very well done part where here was a man that was totally against violence. He and a he, shitty chairmaker. He and a shitty chairmaker, <laughs> and he had got to the point something had pushed him over the edge to the fact that he had to go back to that level of violence again. And I think that that's where I think that's with the Rambo thing would make that full circle would be that he has now come to grips with his past. He's put it in his trunk and now he's working, he's living in the future and something erupts in this storyline that makes him go back to the past. And, well, and have he, they hinted, have they hinted already then what they're going to do? Because he's wearing essentially the same outfit and carrying the same bag. So maybe underneath that jacket, he has the same knife. Well, that could be, that could, you know, that, could I mean, that could very well be. I'm thinking he pawned it in Burma. <laughs> I, you know the chances of him that a guy that is that is that uh mobile and has had that many misadventures of hanging on to one knife for that long yeah would be difficult yeah i you know the the hints that i've gotten are that he's trying to settle back into civilian life and something comes up with the mexican drug cartels and he has to go into mexico to fight them yeah so that I, I think for the first part he's definitely going to be carrying something like, you know, like you're describing. But then I think it, it, you got to have a, a knife. Uh, the movie, well, maybe, have maybe a, he, a character. Maybe in it. he goes. And all, I, I don't want to see a fucking Mora as a character in a Rambo movie. I just don't. <laughs> maybe he goes. Like, maybe he goes all machete. Yeah, but he. I don't see. I mean, that's a that would be a knife from Mexico, but. Yeah, but he's an American now. He's back on American yeah, but, soil. Yeah, but maybe, and I think maybe, got, maybe he goes up against a cartel uh, guy that's about ready to chop off somebody's head, and he takes his machete and uses that machete. Yeah, he could do that. But then it'd, it'd be kind of like a B horror movie. I I don't know. And then and then the whole the whole point is is like you, Rambo's like into knives. You know, he's so into knives that he knows how to make a parang. <laughs> Out of, a, like, out of a lawnmower blade. Yeah, well, he he did it. It looked like it was a leaf spring in the the forging scene in the movie. Which, by the way, if you haven't seen that, it's it's gorgeous. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like start, What about the like, other guys uh, in the other movies? Like he's carried well, he's carried daggers. You know, I mean, a lot well, that, of people forget that, that, or the little push daggers from the first one. Yeah, a little from from part two. Yeah, he he always has like auxiliary knives, but those aren't so much characters as his main big. That's his big knife. It's like, listen, if if he wants to carry like a Mora look alike, okay, but like I I want the I want the real knife. 
Wait, you know, so he I don't can have to... a, he can have Mora throwing knives. So you're saying then, and, but yeah, he well, has, like, or he can, knife. he can have the Mora knife, and what can happen is he can go to like use it, and it can break, and then he has to go to the trunk and get a real knife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how to win friends? <laughs> well, listen, it's a freaking knife from a communist country that they manu that that gets stamped out of a piece of steel. And a piece of shitty plastic gets put on there, and, and great, you know, you you know, I, they're fine, they're good at what they do, but you have so many better choices, you know. Now, it's a it's a fact, um, little known fact that I actually visited Mora. I've walked through that oh, factory. I, I've met those people. Um, I, I don't know. I can't I can't speak as badly about them. I mean, some people that's all they can afford, and if it gets them in the outdoors, that's cool. But I I, I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, there's there's better options out there. Um, but I'll tell you something. When I was over there, it, it, it might be that type of country, but if you ever get a chance to walk through the convenience stores in Sweden, let's just put it this way. Um, <laughs> the Daryl wife types, you know, like the supermodel types, those are the ones that are working in the convenience stores in Sweden. Um, you walk in there nice. and everyone looks like a Viking goddess. It's it's absolutely insane. So that's just, you know, yeah. I know the chauvinist in me coming out. But, you know, that, that's what you have out there. Well, you know, and I and I bash on Mora's just because it's fun. You know, I'm yeah. I'm trolling basically is what I'm doing. If you if you haven't figured it out, I like to do that a lot. But uh no, you know, I have Mora's. I've used them. I've actually used Mora's in the Amazon jungle. They're fine. You know, yeah. I'm I'm just trolling people, you know. There's nothing wrong with them. But I don't want to see a Mora as the Rambo knife. I just don't. I want to see something like Daryl carries. I you know, all some, completely agree on that one, yeah. Yeah. Um anyway, uh <laughs> you mentioned something else. I don't I don't I don't know if you're ready to talk about it or if you want to that you were gonna go uh and I can always cut this out that you were no, gonna No 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 go ahead. Uh something about the uh you were gonna go and do some of the um first blood scenes on that property. Yes. Um, this is something that I, I came up with in October. Um, I was flown out to Washington to train a group of, um, actually they were SIOC students at my buddy, uh, Guru Martin Gonzalez's school out in Washington, Bellingham, Washington. Um, and oh, I've been there. Yeah. It, beautiful place. I mean, yeah. he, he goes yep. to me, he goes, he goes, you know, you might not want to leave this place and I, I want to go back. Like, it's just a great, great area. Yeah. Um, yeah. American Alpine Institute is out there, so if you want to learn to climb, go out there. Yep. Game. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, yeah. So so we're out there, and after after I taught the, the clinic, you know, Martino was like, yeah, let's take a ride. So we went up to Mount Baker, and, you know, I'm talking to him. I've climbed it. Oh, you did Baker? Yeah, we did Baker. I've oh, I climbed Baker's for a week beautiful. on it, and it's awesome. Yeah, what yeah a and there's, there's glacier and ice to climb, and it's a big mountain. It's a real mountain. Yeah, we, we yeah. drove up to as high as we could drive. Unfortunately, it was, it was really foggy. And, uh, you know, in training out there, like, we we were out there in those, you know, Pacific Northwest uh, rainforest, essentially. And it was uh -huh. a t it's a tough environment. I mean, that's something people don't realize is how damp everything is. But, you know, for the guys that are, like, these fatwood hunters, there's fatwood everywhere out there. And it's not impossible to make a fire. It just takes some effort. So we're out there, we're training, and we're talking and everything, and, and I'm looking at a map. I'm like, oh, my God, Hope, British Columbia is, like, not that far from here. He goes, oh, yeah, it's it's about a 90-minute drive. So I started thinking, I'm like, I gotta, I want to go to where they shot first blood, and, you know, I want to see if I can find these shooting locations, which I found a group on Facebook that actually has done that, and, you know, I started talking to these guys. And then I'm like, well, I don't want to go out there with, like, the normal knives I carry. I want to make this as authentic as possible. And then some people brought it to my attention. They're like, yeah, you know, when that movie was filmed, uh, you know, the character of Rambo was supposed to be, like, 35 years old. Well, when I go out there, I'll be 35. Um, you know, he's supposed to be, you know, some expert in survival. Well, some people call me an expert. I'm pretty damn good. Uh, and, you know, I'm looking at all these similarities. I mean, I'm not a combat guy by any means. You know, I'm a freaking high school history teacher. But... You know, I was like, this could be really cool. So I contacted uh, uh, Hank Martin over at Martin Knives, and they make probably one of the most functional hollow-handled blades, and they make one that is very similar to the Lyle First Blood, um, mm -hmm. called the MCE-2. Beautiful yep. knife. Um, and he's like, dude, we, we fully support you 100%. So 
he just sent me a message last week saying that my knife is is coming to me. Like they're just assembling it now. Um, and for that trip, they've traditionally made that knife with a concave clip to it, which is. Did we lose Kevin? I'm going to do as many of the skills as possible from the movie in terms of, you know, the same types of crazy traps that he uses. And Hold, you know, hold that thought. Uh, hold that thought for one yeah. second. I think we lost Kyle. I'm, I'm back, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, so the the audio is going to clip out for about 10 seconds there, but mm-hmm. I think I think the audience can kind of get where you're going with that. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and basically what's going to happen is I'm going to go do the skills the way that, as much as I can in the movie, Definitely not jumping off of a tree and killing a wild boar, but uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and, and give it an honest shake and, and you know document it and say look this is what the knife could really do this is what could be done if the movie was ever rebooted you know like stuff like that so just purely because that was a movie that I grew up as as a kid you know um, I loved watching it and you know now as an adult I can go to those locations and it you know the big theme in Rambo is full circle so you know I'm coming back to to where I started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I can guarantee you that you can do everything in that movie with that knife. <laughs> I'm absolutely positive you will have no difficulty. <laughs> yeah, just let it be known that I'm not going to be going after National Guardsmen or any sheriffs or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, and if Brian Dennehy comes along and tells you to leave town, you're just going to leave. <laughs> yeah, you know, in, I, I, maybe I'll get arrested for I'll get arrested for vagrancy or something like that. I kind of have that reputation sometimes when I when I go and travel, but uh, no, <laughs> it's not going to end the same way. That's yeah, yeah, but uh, it'd be cool. Um, don't don't stitch yourself up, by the way. And yeah, uh, you know, no gun from a medical profession. I'm I'm sure you'll tell me not to to do that. That's not in the not in the plans. Good. Okay. Well, and uh, don't jump off a cliff into a tree or anything. That's <laughs> that's silliness. Unless somebody's in a helicopter shooting at you, <clears throat> then you can throw a rock at it and bring the helicopter down. <laughs> That'd be pretty awesome. That's funny. <laughs> so, let's see. What else? Uh, any other topics you want to talk about? You know, the lusting thing was came up. Okay. We're talking about we're talking about blades that you lust after, yeah. And, and I don't, Kevin. Do you? Does this pretty much happens to every knife nut? You, yeah, it's a holy it's a holy grail knife. Yeah. Have you noticed? Have you ever gotten one of your holy grail knives, and you have it for a, a period of time, and then you you figure out that somebody else is lusting it after lusting after it more than you were, or than you than you did after three years of having it, and then you just get rid of it. Oh yeah, there, there's definitely been knives that have you know been with me, and then I'm like, sorry, goodbye. Um, you know, and it's speaking of the whole Rambo thing, the Buckmaster. Yeah. You know, the old school Buck Buckmaster. That knife for me for the longest time was the knife that I carried. Yep. And you know, there are so many that you'll find at, at flea markets, at uh, knife shows that have broken off tips, and you know, you look at the design now, and it's 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 a hollow ground survival knife like that and it's like really what's the the purpose of the hollow ground i mean granted they say it was a combat knife but you know it was just a heavy knife and i mean that was my holy grail knife when i was a like a pre-teen teenager and then i just got rid yeah. of it eventually isn't that, um, isn't that funny how that happens yeah you know, well and then and then guns knives everything well and and so my whole thing is is like one of the reasons i'm kind of i, I mean i could buy a Lyle Rambo knife. I could buy a Martin uh, hollow handle one. I could buy the Team Gemini and not think twice about it, but I kind of like the idea of it's out there and that I don't have it, you know? Right. I, I, well, I like enjoying it from a distance because I know that as soon as I get it, um, I'm not going to be as satisfied as I am wanting it, yeah, if that that's, makes sense. That's what, that's what I found. A lot of times with the, with the, with the Grail knives... You end up getting it, and then after a period of time, you're going, God, I can't understand why I really wanted it. It's just another knife. I, I can't really understand why I wanted this so bad when, uh, you know, and then you and then you run across somebody else that's like <clears throat> like in that stage where you were three years ago. You're going, hell, oh, you know, he wants it's it. It's the thrill of the chase. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking. You know, 
You know, it's, it's like you've got that girl that you've always wanted to date. You know, maybe you've known her your whole life, and then when you finally do date her, you're like, man, I wish I knew about this all those years ago, or else I wouldn't. You know, it's like you don't realize the the shortcomings of it, or you don't realize, you know, that there might be better things out there because you've just been so focused on this the chase. Yep. You know, but when you finally yeah. get it, it's like, okay, what's the next best thing? Yep. Yeah, it's funny. Well, I can tell you also, um, once I learned to make my own knives, mm-hmm. a lot of that went away. So so pretty much the only stuff that is left in my lusting after um, category is some folders because I don't have uh, the machining to make that. Uh, and then the stuff that I have always wanted and, and probably always will want, so like the Jimmy Lyle knife and now the... Uh, Bussy Team Gemini, just you know, and I, I'm I'm not going to buy those because I like the feeling of wanting them. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but no, you're you're amongst friends. I think a lot of the listeners will agree. It's like there's there's nothing crazy about that, and there's nothing different than like the guys that have the Holy Grail cars. It's like oh, I've always wanted that car. Well, it's out there. You know, you'll you'll get it someday, but. You know, there, there's like a, a lifespan, a, a time limit to a lot of these things. And, you know, maybe it takes 10 years to get, but you eventually get it. So it is what it is. Yeah. Um, anything else? Anything you're uh, wanting to talk about? Um, how can people get in touch with you? Um, people can reach me right on, on Facebook if they want. They can call me. They can email me. I'm, I'm pretty wide open when it comes to answering questions and talking. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my company page is Estella Wilderness Education, and my website is kevinestella.com, uh, K-E-V-I-N-E-S-T-E-L-A.com. Uh, Twitter is Estella Wild Ed, um, and email address is Estella Wilderness Education at gmail.com. Phone number is 860-214-3629. I mean, people can, like I said, contact me anytime, survival questions, knife questions. You know, I, I love talking to people about it, and I have some of the best discussions with people uh, I've never even met before. <clears throat> you got any upcoming classes? Um, I'm doing a lot of uh, free clinics this year. Uh, I really am focusing on the writing for, you know, Self-Reliance Illustrated, Harris Publications, all that stuff, but... The classes, um, I'm going to be doing a class actually at Scott Gossman's uh, sometime this late spring, early summer, uh, my budget bushcraft class, which is just $99 bucks to come out. You'll train with myself, my good buddy, Lieutenant Mike, who's a big uh, Garcia, um, you know, I can't think of the name of the knife now, uh, Rod Garcia, uh, uh, Bush Tool, Scoop oh, Bush Tool fan. Yeah, uh, yeah, Big yeah. John, who's a big fan of Bark River Knives. You can train with all of us, you know, using blades. You get a chance to try all the blades. Um, you know, I'm, I've got that coming up. I'm doing a Minuteman, uh, modern Minuteman uh, camping trip, uh, which is completely free, and that's going to be in March. Uh, I think that would be a really cool trip for a lot of these guys that are listening. Um, basically, like a week before, you're going to put in your put online what you carry. And then just 24 hours before the day of the event, I'm going to post where it's going to be, and you cannot change what you're carrying. So the whole trip is designed to improve your readiness and your preparedness and then learn from what you should have carried, what others are carrying. And we're going to do this a few times throughout the year, Um, you know, just very loose stipulations like, hey, it's going to be 100 miles from New York City, 100 miles from Philadelphia, whatever it may be. And guys can come and go and, and just learn honestly what works, what doesn't. Um, there's going to be a winter camping trip February 28th. Um, all these events are on my website, actually, so if anyone wants to check them out, uh, there's a section like upcoming events at a glance. Um, or, like I said, they can just email me and I'll say, hey, this is where it is, and I'll hook them up. Jim, we should try to go to one of those. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yep, yep. Yeah. I'm game. Well, I'm game. I, I think we have uh, enough audio for a podcast. Um. We, I, I still have a lot of topics to talk about, but probably better to do that on a separate thing. Um, well, this doesn't have to be. This doesn't have to be the only time he's with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah we can all have time. one. And, yeah, so, uh, but I have to go uh, take care of some business. How do people reach us? They can reach us at. They can send us emails at uh, podcast at knifejournal dot com. You can sign up on their website, knifejournal.com. They can like us on Facebook and 
actually we're pretty open to friends so if you want a uh, friend Kyle or myself you can easily do that uh, Kyle is KR first egg and I am James Noka yep and uh, you know we'd love to hear your thoughts on the Rambo knife um, we're all of course crazy about it because we're crazy about knives and I'm not so crazy about Rambo or you know anybody's real life uh, political views I don't give a damn knives typically keep pretty quiet about their politics so um, the uh, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are about uh, what you'd like to see in a Rambo knife and and uh, I think that's it yeah got it pretty much covered yeah I think well guys thanks for coming on Kevin really appreciate it hey thank you guys for having me it was an absolute blast anytime Sounds good, and uh, don't forget to keep your knives sharp and your friends sharp. Catch you next time. Yep, bye. bye.